Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. And this time, it's an actual episode instead of a Kotatsu Corner like we had last time. Uh, On this episode, we are going to be talking about our favorite, maybe not so favorite as well, uh, anime that we watched in 2021. Uh, Not anime that necessarily came out in 2021, but just some of the stuff that we watched that we really enjoyed last year. Uh, It's going to be a somewhat casual conversation. We're not going to be doing any you know, big deep dives like we normally do, but um, we're just going to kind of go over some a list of shows and uh, talk a little bit about, you know, why we enjoyed them, why we thought they were entertaining, or maybe some stuff that maybe didn't live up to our expectations. Um, but for this episode, of course, I am Austin, your host, and I am joined by another wonderful co-host. Please introduce yourself, sir. Hi, I'm Bill, and my advice to you for watching anime is always have a co-pilot. Because it makes the viewing experience more entertaining, and you're more likely to get through stuff faster. I mean, I think, I mean, you've had a co-pilot to watch anime with for a long time. You've had multiple co-pilots, but I feel like last year, I finally really took advantage of using Bill as my co-pilot. Because we got through two and a half series last year. Yeah, Um, we got through Giant Robo. We did that. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're currently halfway through Glass Mask, yep. and I think we did one other thing, but I... Oh, and we did uh, Sound of the Sky, right? Yeah, Sound of the Sky. Yeah. So, so I, I fully endorse that, you know, having having just sort of adopted that that uh, methodology, Bill is 100% correct. It, it's a lot easier to get through, you know, sort of large amounts of anime if you actually watch them with people instead of trying to do it by yourself so uh yeah it's pretty good advice my friend thank you i'll be writing Mm -hmm. my book about it coming out next year how to watch anime by bill foreman yep esquire tm (laughs) well um i guess let's just go ahead and get into it we've got a list of probably about a dozen titles for each of us that we're going to be briefly discussing um, we may not get to everything, but that's totally fine. Bill, uh, hit us off and give us one of the things that you really liked watching in 2021. Um, okay. One thing, I would say it's not a show, but a franchise I got into uh, this past year was JoJo Bizarre Adventure. After, Excellent. I'm so after- glad that you're finally in the JoJo's family. Yeah, it took me forever because the overhype annoyed me, but I finally got past it, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really good, y'all. It's it's really good, and here's why it's good. One, Araki is really good at being very creative with his fight choreography and the power set with each series. And so you always are going to get a unique fight no matter which part you're on. 
and the characters are quirky and interesting enough that it keeps you engaged. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, yeah, look, I, who, who, who doesn't love Roundabout? <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. I'm really glad that you finally got into JoJo's because I've I've been watching JoJo's pr- rate like every season that um, comes out since the I think since the beginning of Stardust Crusaders season two, which at this point, gosh, that was like 2015, maybe. That was a while um, ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a while ago, but um. Yeah, I think JoJo's is just, it's so much fun. Like, it's its super popular for a reason, I think, because it's, like, just so outlandish and so well-paced. And, like, even JoJo's at its, like, maybe jo- like JoJo's at its worst or, like, JoJo's at its, like, most boring is still, like, really, really good. Like, I know you mentioned that you did not really click with... um uh diamond is unbreakable that much which is of course objectively the incorrect opinion um (laughs) (laughs) but you would probably still say that even the jojo parts that you didn't like as much uh you still enjoyed right yeah i would say from what i've watched there's no there's not really any bad jojo there's just parts that you're probably gonna like more than others Mm -hmm. like i i um i enjoyed part five uh wait no part four there's so many Mm -hmm. parts part four because some of the characters were really interesting and of course there were some really good fights but um as a whole it wasn't my favorite Mm -hmm. yeah like um i kind of feel the same way about um part five golden wind like i think in the pantheon of like jojo's main characters like giorno might be my least favorite but i still like don't dislike him like i just find him to be like the least entertaining but like his whole gang like all of them together are a lot of fun and i think that his his villain in that part while kind of derivative of dio and um uh yoshikage kira to an extent is still like interesting to like for Mm -hmm. for them for them to like have to deal with because his powers are so insane um so yeah i mean even again like the the jojo's parts that i quote unquote like the least are still really really good yeah and i think excluding the first three parts if you wanted to just jump into um one of the one of the jojo series you could theoretically do that Mm -hmm. uh there's some crossover but it's not to where you need to know the continuity so bad so yeah i mean i think that i mean you yourself you can probably speak to this that starting from the beginning makes the payoff like really sweet like being able to follow these characters and whenever you see characters pop up that you haven't seen for a long time that can be really satisfying but I mean, I guess if you just wanted to skip to the most recent part, like if you wanted to skip to Stone Ocean, I mean, I guess you could, but why would you want to? Because <laughs> uh, some people are impatient, I guess. And, I guess, but it and, depends on what you're looking for. Because, like, if, Also, we've talked about this before with the psychology of people just look at a large number of episodes and they're like, oh yeah. my God, I couldn't do that. And uh, so some people are like, oh yeah, I can do that. And other That's people true. are like, it's too much. 
Yeah, I mean, JoJo's is pretty long at this point, and only insane people like yourself, no disrespect, uh, oh, no, I can know. start I'm, from the beginning. I'm, ins- I'm insane. I mean, like, I watched all of JoJo in, not including the new season, Stone Ocean, mm-hmm. in three months? That's pretty swift. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, I can be a fast watcher when I'm really into something. Off the top of your head, do you have a favorite stand? Oh, uh, you know, I guess I'm I'm really bad with names. Who is the main villain in, in Diamond is Unbreakable? Oh, uh, Kira. Yeah, Kira's stand was just so amazing. I'm just like, how do you get out of this? Where, <laughs> where he's able to not only pause time, but rewind time. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just... I, when that happened and you see that, I'm just like, well, how do they get out of this? Because he can just rewind every time they they go another alternative route. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't see that, that finale coming. Yeah, it was uh, Killer Queen. That was his stand. Mm. And then Killer <laughs> Queen bites the dust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his naming conventions are great. I agree. Um I can't think of one off the top of my head by name, but I really like the monkey stand from uh, part three that's like on the cruise ship. Like that was uh, really stupid. And that was like the first big revelation that like you knew that the season was going to be just off the rails when they when they established that like, oh, by the way, animals can have stands too. Yeah, like um, the isn't there a there's a dog in that series that season, right? That has a there's stand. A, there's a dog in a few seasons, but always really terrible things happen to dogs in in JoJo's because Araki just has it out for dogs, I guess. Yeah, if you're a PETA member, don't watch JoJo. <laughs> yep. Well, I guess... Okay, I'm going to pick one from my list now. So let's see. What do I want to talk about? Okay, so I think the first one I want to talk about is uh, Wave Listen to Me, which is mm-hmm. a fairly short anime that came out in 2020 and i watched that in 2021 and really really enjoyed it the basic premise is that we have our main character minare koda and it takes place it's like a very down-to-earth like realistic slice of life story there's nothing really fantastical or supernatural at all it's just like a real world story and she is this um sort of part she works part-time like at a cafe and she's like down on her luck like she broke up with her boyfriend and she's just kind of like listless and aimless and you know just kind of a bit woe is me but she's like really smart and really and has like a really big personality Mm. and like one day it's like shortly after she broke up with her boyfriend she's like at a bar and just like ranting and like drinking and ranting to this complete stranger about it and he's just like really fascinated by the way that she talks and like the way that like her personality in general so he without telling her records her rant and then plays it on his late night radio show for all to hear like as content Mm. And she has no idea. The only way that she finds out is that she's listening to that radio station at a certain time period and hears her own rant, like her own drunken rant playing on the radio. Um, And then she runs over to the radio station 
and basically the guy that recorded her is like a radio producer and he's like i want to give you a show because i really like the way that you go off about things and first she's really mad i mean obviously she was recorded without her permission and and it was played without her permission it's a terrible thing to do but she ends up agreeing to it so she gets her own like 3 a.m radio time (laughs) slot and basically chaos ensues from there um sounds very much like a coming of age story a bit but it's more like a coming of adulthood story because she is probably in her mid-20s i would say like transitioning into her late 20s early 30s that kind of so millennial (laughs) yeah basically yeah she's she's a big millennial mood i would think um she is again like really snarky and really um oh what's the word um kind of cynical but not like depressing or annoying she's just got this like charisma and energy about her like she's very upfront very says what she thinks and really minare is the core of the show and i think she's the most enjoyable part about it Mm. um the rest of the supporting cast are really really great too but just like her as a character she was probably like my favorite character in like any anime that i watched last year because she was just so like full of energy and like a very unique character that you don't really see a lot in in anime well and i think it probably could would connect to uh, an audience because a lot of people in their late 20s early 30s are still trying to figure their crap out Mm -hmm. so so you're gonna connect it for some reason we always i always love like something connected to music uh there's Mm -hmm. always like a youthful connection to music there's a bunch of teenage western movies that do that Mm -hmm. and like um one thing that i really liked is that like the show is it's ostensibly about her radio show but it's also about like just the drama happening in her normal life which is all fairly realistic Mm. and also contextualized to be very funny um and like a lot of the things that she ends up doing for her radio show end up being really silly too like she does this investigation of like a supposedly haunted apartment but it ends up being (laughs) like a totally like a reasonable normal thing that just happened by accident but people Mm. think it's ghosts that sort of thing um and then towards the end of the show there's actually an episode where like i I can't remember what it was maybe it was like a blizzard or a storm or something like that and they end up doing like an episode where they have to use the radio as basically like a public service like public service like announcement you know platform Mm. so it shows the value of radio as a tool for like emergencies and things like that and i thought that that was a really interesting angle for them to go in where you know most of the time it's about fun and games and about putting on a good show but like radio and that style of communication has like a lot of real world impact and they can make a difference in their own little niche so you know, i thought that was an interesting way to end the show you know it's funny because zombieland saga did a did the same thing in their second season really that's where... probably just part of the show i haven't seen yet where well, I'll try not to spoil too much, but they the the girls of Franchichu find a radio station and get a time slot, mm-hmm. and 
there's a weather event that they have to deal with and they use the radio station to get the word out oh that's so funny so that's funny that that's in that one too mama Well, that was a uh, that was wave. Listen to me, but you gave us a really great segue. So, do you want to talk about Zombieland Saga season two? Unfortunately, I didn't finish it. That's on my list of things that I watched but didn't finish yet. But um, I did really like what I've seen. So, what did you think of season two? I'll keep it brief because we talked about it in our spring twenty twenty one episode. If you want to go back and hear more my, hear more of our thoughts, but uh, I thought it was good. It's basically, hey, did you enjoy Franchichu and want more time with them? Here's more time with them. And we're also going to do some lore stuff. I wasn't a big fan of the lore stuff. Um, the, the finale kind of feels like they're going to do another season or a movie. Um, but Just if with would... like a yes or no, does season two end like season one where they like hint at something that they're going to talk about later? Yes. Oh, dang. <laughs> it sounds like we're gonna get a third season or a movie. I wouldn't be I mean, surprised. That's fine. I like I like Zombieland Saga, and more of it is cool. But like they they sh- they should stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> just just uh, follow up. Like tell a complete story, please and thank you. But but serialization, man. It's it's the future. <laughs> but uh yeah if you liked zombieland saga uh and those characters it's a more continuation of that um plus they had the voice of conan in one of the oh. episodes which was great like like conan o'brien the late night show host? no detective conan <laughs> silly the better conan fight <laughs> me fight me internet <laughs> i i feel like most people would agree with you <laughs> maybe but uh yeah it was good uh do you uh i'm i want to do another brief this is a complete opposite segue but another huge franchise i got into this year was fist of the north star Ooh, do tell because i know basically nothing about fist of the north star even though i have one of the video games and two of the manga volumes I got so into Fist of the North Star this past year. I watched all of the original series. I bought, I've been buying the Viz re-releases as they come out, and I bought the video game that the Yakuza, uh, the, the studio that makes Yakuza uh, made. So mm-hmm. I got really into it. Uh, but uh, So a lot of people compare it to JoJo's, but do you think that that's fair? I could see the comparison because um, it's very much tough, a tough muscular guy, Kinshiro, going from town to town and destroying people. Um, the fights and aren't punching as... Punching things really fast. The the fights aren't as intricate, but I think just the, the sheer absurdity of it and just the, the, the weird setting, because it's basically Mad Max meets Bruce Lee 
meets a Looney Tunes cartoon in terms <laughs> of its of absurd absurdity. Like the deaths are so absurd that you have to laugh, mm-hmm. and it's so it's so over the top, mm-hmm. and the over the topness and is what makes it great. And I will mm-hmm. say, even though it's not an anime, the manga is great. Like Tatsuo Hara's art holds up amazingly well. Um, I could see why his art has inspired uh, people like Araki and a lot of other uh, manga manga uh, artists. Mm-hmm. Um, like the big bulky, his character designs are very big and bulky and very eighties muscular. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so you can kind of see that look in like early JoJo, and you can see that in Dragon Ball. Um, but yeah. I, so do you I, like Kenshiro more with the beard or without the beard? Probably without the beard. Okay, gotcha. But uh, yeah, uh, it will. It will. Uh, I'm rambling. You should check out this North Star. I would recommend if the anime uh, is a bit overwhelming because of the episode number. It's like a hundred episodes, like the first series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also the art is a bit dated because it was made in the early 80s. Uh, go read the manga because that still holds up really well. I'm pretty sure it's on streaming on like Crunchyroll and maybe on Retro Crush as well. But um, I know you can also you can get the movie and the complete series from Discotech on SD Blu-ray, which is a really cool format that they do if you're not aware of it. Yep. And Viz has been re-releasing the manga every three months since last year. Yeah, and I've got those first two. I know you've been collecting them, like you've got all of them, but um yeah, they're they're really nice. Like they're they're comparable to those um to the JoJo's sets that they've been releasing for a number of years at this point. Yeah, it's it's nice this is a tangent, but Viz has put out some really nice releases. Like I I love how they do their Viz signature stuff and their hardcovers mm-hmm. for Jinji Ito and JoJo and Fist North Star, like they're really well made. Mm-hmm. One hundred percent. I agree. Um. Well, let's see. Uh, what do I want to talk about next? Well, maybe let's talk about something that both of us watched. Um, let's start with the one that we didn't like as much, Sound of the Sky. Sound of the Sky is a 2010 slice of life anime, I would say. But it's like slice of life slash military, kinda? Kinda. But the military stuff is more of just an aesthetic choice. Until the very end. (laughs) Until the very end, which I know you didn't really care for and I also kind of don't care for. But anyway... It basically follows this uh, young girl whose name escapes me who comes to this small like what looks like a uh, east like a European town like circa the you know nine early night or like the early 1900s kind of feel like the the whole aesthetic of the show is very it feels like 
Europe during World War Two kind of World, or World tone. War One. I. I would say World, World War One. Yeah. Yeah. Turn of the century, that sort of early, early twentieth century kind of vibe. Um, and she comes to this town on like a military um, dispatchment where she's going to be like a trumpeteer or something. And she falls in with the this uh, this group of other women and girls who are already stationed there as like this small unit that basically like oversee the military stuff in this town. And she gets there, she meets them all, and they have daily adventures, whether Wacky it's just the mono- whether it's like the monotony of military tasks or like getting really drunk and having like what was it like a water gun fight water balloon fight <laughs> i can't remember was or it water they, guns they 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 also did like a noir 1930s parody yeah which was, they out, did. Of no, which was out of nowhere <laughs> and uh i think uh for sound of the sky it has a weird tonal shift yeah because uh califina who's most famous for doing all the music for Madoka Magica, mm-hmm. does the opening. And the and opening... It's a great opening. It's very pretty. Um, and the, op- the animation itself is really pretty. It's like stained glass. It looks like it's going to be like a serious show based off the opening. Like it's going to be something in the vein of Madoka. But it's, it's not. And, and and the opening uses... I can't remember the the name of the artist, but it uses like a very... It uses a motif that's like very famous from a specific artist that I can't remember off the top of my head, and so I feel really bad. So you continue, Bill, and I'll look. I'll look that up. But it's it's a tonal shift because you think it's going to be like a serious show, but very much it's very slice of life, wacky adventures for most of it, and it's mostly a light comedy of these girls doing either like what. Well, what Austin said is light tasks or tasks around town and interacting with the village because they're far away from the war effort in the story that they're not having to deal with the after effects or the, uh, the mental or emotional effects of the war that's happening in this story until the very end. um, The artist is Gustav Clement. Who's an Austrian. Hmm. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's kind of, it's like it's like a show that sometimes is like K-On and it's very it's very K-On-esque because even the character designer is the same exact character designer as K-On like some of the characters look very very similar they basically look like one of the characters looks like Moogie but with glasses <laughs> like the other one of the other ones looks like um Mio but older um this is not a K-On character, but one of them looks like Nico from Love Live, like five years before Love Live came out, which is funny. Kind of acts like Nico too. Yeah. But, I, um, and I'll I, go ahead. I think the issue that for most of the series, it's kind of light, wacky adventures. And then towards the finale, they do a hard left turn that soured Austin and I, because mm-hmm. we were so used to this much lighter tone and where the war gets super serious and the tone gets super serious. And I think mm-hmm. the California opening, while beautiful, does not fit the tone of the show. And it's it's a bit jarring. Like if uh, seeing the serious California music with the art style and then you get a wacky adventure. And 
it kind of has a we'll see you later folks ending like we gotta oh, wrap absolutely we, we we gotta wrap it up because we don't we only have so much time and Which uh, i think um i think on that note had this show maybe had it had more um maybe more broad tonal consistency because i don't mind the idea of like interspersing wacky adventures with like serious war stuff because you know even in war movies there are moments of you know levity right um mm-hmm. and i don't mind the idea of them exploring the relationship that these you know girls have with each other and with their world because they are very young i mean a lot of them are kids some of them are adults but you know a few of them are kids um so i think exploring that sort of like child soldier angle would have been really interesting but they don't really ever go there which is really surprising and um like there's a whole like subplot with one of the girls being like uh part of a the monarchy or something like that and that's very underdeveloped um so it just feels like sort of this pot of disparate elements that maybe could have worked together better had they had maybe more time or more maybe a better structure broadly but it just it kind of just ended up falling flat mm. well sticking with what we kind of watched together let's talk about giant robo okay uh so giant robo is i mean i think that you can agree to this is like one of the most hyped shows that like i know of like it seems that the people that love it are just like absolutely head over heels for it yeah Um, i think a lot of kind of the uh older than me set of people who are on any twitter mm -hmm. love giant robo Mm -hmm. and i can see why because at the time you probably the one thing I'll give Giant Robo is it has beautiful, gorgeous animation. Top tier, truly. That you would never see today because no mm-hmm. one would have the budget to do it. And just the sheer scale of it, too, is astounding in terms of what they're doing with this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, from, I didn't... I didn't love Giant Robo. I can appreciate it for what it did. And I can see why people love it. But the story I could never connect to. Because there was Mm -hmm. so much going on. And they only had so much time. Because this is an OVA series. Mm -hmm. Where they had this character. And this faction. And this group. And they were trying to. uh, This grand backstory they were trying to tell. And this kind of global threat that they were dealing with and it all just kind of turns to mush in terms of the story for me yeah i mostly agree i mean i'm i'm the type of person that like aesthetics and execution can go a long way but having said that i do think that like giant robo kind of leaves something to be desired in the narrative front because it seems like they focus really hard on certain things but other things are not as clear and there's a lot of things that are just kind of vague and it it was kind of hard to follow and kind of hard to connect with even though the aesthetics and the animation like you said and the character designs are just like 
all out of this world great. But um, it seems like one of those things that you like the more I learn about Giant Robo and like the context of where it came from, the more I appreciate it. But I still think it has like those those flaws that make it like difficult to approach as like a standalone work that you're consuming like on its own merit. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, I I th- I feel like I can appreciate it for what it accomplished mm-hmm. and it's the sure scale of it and just the guts to go for it. Yeah. I, I, I have to admire that. But as some, for me, I think if you are an animation fan and you just love key animation, I forget the term for this, this type of fans. Sakuga. Yeah. Sakuga fans. It's You'll... Sakuga bill. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> the uh, you'll love Giant Robo, but as someone, for me, I w- I'm more focused on narrative because I can create the most visually dazzling animation in the world. But if I don't have compelling characters or a story, then you're not going to care, in my opinion. Um, and that that's a me thing. Um. But I I can understand why people of a certain age love Giant Red because this probably blew people's minds when you first saw it. If you got into anime for the first time and this is one of the earliest things you saw, Mm -hmm. you probably loved it. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's it's epic. It's epic, but I just think it kind of loses me. Like, some of the characters I liked, but they felt, like, not fully fleshed out, not fully realized, but... I mean, I don't it's it's tough because like it is good, but it's it's hard to really give it's it's difficult to give like a full throated recommendation. Yeah, just the, the the cast is way too big and because of the runtime they had, even though they had the budget and the 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 OVAs weren't short, they're about an hour in length. Yeah, like between um, like forty five and an hour and ten something like that even with that run length time it felt like there's way too much story being told and the cast of characters was way too big where i couldn't keep track of it where i couldn't Mm -hmm. keep track of anything Mm -hmm. we still haven't watched the uh genrei ova um Mm -hmm. following her specifically and i thought she was probably the best character but um we'll get to that eventually Mm -hmm. one day one day yep and I will say, I, I, I really liked the character designs specifically. I don't know if there's any connection here, but I really liked them specifically because they reminded me of, like, my favorite art styles of, like, the um, Cell era of Lupin the Third. Like, they're characters that are, like, kind of noodly, kind of exaggerated, but, like, really clean, slick, cool, nice silhouetted designs. Mm. So I guess we mentioned since we mentioned Lupin the Third, do you want to talk about some Lupin? Uh I think I'll talk about part six. Okay. How was part six? It's interesting, because if you follow Lupin Twitter, um people are very love hate uh with this show. And I think the problem with it is it's story structure where it, they've been telling this ongoing story of Lupin with Sherlock Holmes. And 
I think people when it people when it was first announced it was going to be Lupin versus Sherlock Holmes, you thought it was going to be more of a traditional Sherlock Holmes, and it'd be a versus an actual versus. But it's not. It's very much like the Conan versus Lupin, where it says on the tin they're against each other, but they're really not. Mm. And it's also in a modern day setting, um, which some people really don't like Lupin the Third in a modern day. I know people had issues with part five because of that. Um, That's so odd to me because it feels like every time, like Lupin's of course been around for like half a century, but like most Lupin takes place in the modern day of its respective time. Like it seems like the the Lupin specials from the nineties all take place in the nineties. The ones from the two thousands take place in the two thousands. Like it just seems like a weird thing for people to complain about. Yeah, and I think also just watching it weekly is hard because with an ongoing story that they were doing, it was hard to keep track of like, okay, what happened last episode? I forget. And what they would do is they would do some Sherlock episode and then they would take a break from that and do a one-off episode. Isn't that the same thing they did in part five? five? Part five, yeah. The, the way part five worked was they usually did four episodes that would be like a story arc and then they would do an homage episode that was usually like, here's a pink jacket episode, here's mm-hmm. a red jacket. Um, and I think what made that work is you had more of a concurrent storyline in part five and more the episodes in part five felt more kind of standalone with an mm-hmm. ongoing story. Whereas in part six, the it feels like if I want to get the Sherlock story, I probably just need to binge it. And yeah. from what I've heard, people have said, oh, yeah, now that I watched it all back to back to back, it makes more sense. Um, okay. So do you think maybe maybe had they changed the structure of the show, maybe it would be more, maybe people wouldn't have so much of an issue with it? Like maybe do like... I don't know how long it is, but like a 13 episode arc where it's the Sherlock Holmes thing and then a 13 episode thing where it's all the other stuff. I think the mark, if people, if they went in more with telling you like what it was going to actually be, because I think people thought with all the teasers, it was going to be Sherlock Holmes versus Cohen, Sherlock Holmes versus Lupin. Sherlock and Holmes versus Lupin versus Conan. Versus Conan. <laughs> Yeah, just their their marketing versus Freddy versus Jason <laughs> versus Ash. <laughs> uh, if their marketing was much clearer about what it was, I think people would be less annoyed. And mm-hmm. I think if their if their episode structure was a, was more clear and we didn't have those one offs in between, it would make things a bit easier. Listen, kids, <clears throat> don't ever let marketing fool you because sometimes because sometimes marketing is bad. Yes. Also, Mamoru Oshii comes back to direct anime for some mm. reason, where he directs two episodes. It seems like people have like generally liked those, even if they're not what they expected. Uh, people were mixed on the first one he did, which was like an homage to Hemingway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the episodes are kind of like, here we're referencing this very classical literature. Um, some of them I have no idea what they were, what they were until I saw the episode. Mm. Um, and the other one he did was insane, and I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I won't spoil it because I just I want more people to see that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been a mixed bag, and I would also say like I think people went in with bigger expectations than they should have because it's modern day Mamoru Oshii. 
he he's yeah. he's not the Oshi of old anymore. No, he's not the beautiful dreamer Oshi anymore. He's not the wacky Ursa Yatsura. He's he's still very much like Ghost in the Shell two Oshi. Or uh, Pat Labor two. <laughs> yeah. Oshi. Yeah. Did a Basset Hound show up? This is very important. No. I don't, what? I don't, I don't remember. Okay, there's no. It, it can't be Oshi, then this is an imposter. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned classic literature, and that gave me actually a really good segue to talk about my next thing. Mm. Um, I finally watched something that I have owned for, I don't know, like seven or eight years that I've tried to watch a few times but never got into. It is a movie actually released on DVD by Tokyo Pop. Remember them? Um <laughs> They released a few anime on DVD, and this is one of the movies that they released. It's, um, I think, late 90s, early 2000s, short movie directed by Shoji Kawamori, who's the creator of Macross. It's called Spring and Chaos, and it's a biopic of the author um, Kenji Miyazawa, who hmm. is a very famous Japanese um, children's author and just a generally famous Japanese author generally speaking um and it's it's basically like a um like a very surrealist like interpretive but like partially biographical sort of story of his life and some of his um major writings um he was probably most people would know, like most people in the U.S. or most anime fans would know him as being the creator of Night on the Galactic Railroad, which is a very very popular um, like Japanese um, classic, uh, and it has a movie adaptation that came out in the '80s that Discotech has had on Blu-ray for a long time. It's a very good movie. You should check it out, especially if you like weird space stuff. Um, but just like Night on the Galactic Railroad. Um, the characters in Spring and Chaos are all depicted as cats, like anthropomorphic cats. Um, and I thought the movie was very, very good. Um, I wish that the transfer was better, but it was like an old Tokyo Pop DVD that doesn't really look all that great. I would love for there to be like a newly updated Blu-ray um, mm. edition of the movie, but I think it's, I think it's like in licensing limbo or it's very out of print at least. But um, I really enjoyed it. Some of the visual, mo- some of like the some of like the the visuals in it were really surreal, kind of to sort of symbolize the uh, the imagination process, and like to visualize Miyazawa like creating things. Uh, so Shoji Kawamori does a really good job at executing sort of these weird surrealist imagery throughout a story that's like fairly grounded except everybody's a cat um it's just a really interesting movie and it's only about an hour hour and 10 minutes Mm. and it's it's interesting because you don't get a lot of anime biopics like the only other one that i could think of is miss hokusai which is about the daughter of um the famous painter hokusai who did the great wave off kanagawa and she was an artist as well, so it's basically a um, a biopic about her life in the shadow of her father and also her own work. But that's like the only other one I can think of. So it's it's kind of it doesn't have many peers. 
but um, I would definitely check it out. It's probably uploaded on YouTube or something. But if you are interested in, if that sounds interesting to you, if you like biopics, if you liked Night on the Galactic Railroad, you definitely should check it out. Well, you're just telling me two movies I need to watch because I still have not watched Night on the Galactic Railroad. And Yeah, you got to check it out. It's definitely a sleepy movie. It's very sleepy, but uh, it's really good. And this one. But, uh, okay, so this this next pick is might might trigger some fans of old but uh this past year i watched for the first time haruhi suzumiya The TV series and the movie, and uh, okay, I uh, I kind of hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't tell Ryan. Well, okay, so here's here's what we did because <laughs> no one told me which order to watch it because I know like there's the broadcast order that goes out of order and there's the chronological order. Uh huh. Nobody told me this. No, but there was no definitive choice online. Tobias, there was no definitive choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we. So watched, how did you figure it we, out? He, uh, my friend and I, we found a guide and it, we watched it in chronological order. Ew. Ew. Okay. Well, no one told that, that's me. That's my two. That's my no, two cents. I'm but just no one. But I no one told me. That, that, yeah. But nobody told me that was the wrong order. <laughs> well, that's just there, my opinion. I mean, some people would like. But if that's or die. The, but but the way it's been framed to me is everyone's basically from what I from what I've heard from you and Tobias is that's the way to watch the show. But nowhere online did it say that. <laughs> not See, on Reddit. Is... Not on Twitter. <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> See, this is why you avoid the situation completely and just don't watch Haruki. But I okay, so maybe I think I think reason why people say don't watch it in chronological is because the weirdness is what makes it fun. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that uh, oh the other the other problem is we did Japanese sub over dub, mm. and uh, the guy who voices the main guy Kion. and Kion and, and Haruhi, mm-hmm. his voice is so monotone. He put me to sleep. Where yep. I basically at the halfway point just said, "I'm not watching this if we don't do the dub anymore." The dub um, is very good. Like I'll, I'll give it that. Like I'm not a huge fan of Haruhi. I may sound like I'm really down on it, but I think it's like no, I okay. I, you, you're you're sounding like sunshine and rainbows compared to me. Well, but, uh, yeah, that's fair. I I probably like it more than you do, but I <laughs> but, don't uh, like it that much. It's okay. But uh, but uh, no, the dub was really good because I didn't realize like Crispin Freeman before he yeah. only does video game stuff is the main guy and um he michelle, makes it basically michelle ruff is in it mm-hmm. um and a couple other like if you've been around the block you there's a couple other known names wendy lee is Haruhi. yeah stephanie and, shea is um mikuru yeah and i just i i just did maybe with the weirdness it would have made me like it more but even with the with that weirdness it's just like Haruhi's not a likable character 
at all. No. She bosses people around. And it's not in like a fun, cute way it's very like bossy in your in your face and mm-hmm. i think pe- people pe- why people liked it was because one it was weird because of it, be, it being out of order and two because of the sci-fi plot that's mm-hmm. in the show but it's very but if kind of watching it in chronological order hearing the sci-fi plot it is very much like Mamoru oshi doing philosophical deep dives mm-hmm. it feels like and I just never connected to anybody because it just felt like her, it's just her, he bossing everyone around and treating everyone like dirt. <laughs> and I that, think... to, that, to, that to me was just not compelling. I liked the movie a ton more. Yes. The movie was so much better um, because the movie had an interesting plot that I actually cared about. <laughs> where it had, a, it had a conundrum of just like, how is this happening where time is out of whack and he's got to solve that? And I enjoyed that plot. It kept me engaged, but with just the comings and goings, the characters weren't engaging for me to enjoy the Rocky hijinks. They just seemed kind of muted or yeah. um, just, I just didn't know. Oh, I should also, I should also know. I did like the end song that everyone danced to back in the day. You can't oh, deny yeah. that. That song it's is a classic. Great. That song is great. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I, I mostly hated Tarhi. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think it's I think some of it still kind of holds up but a lot of it doesn't like it has that it very much has I mean it's it's not the worst defender of this by any means but it kind of has that mean-spirited anime humor that was kind of popular and like everybody thought was just hilarious for a long time that has definitely fallen out of fashion um and Haruhi herself is just like so frustrating and like mean to people it's and, also like, very much like we're going to be loud in your face uh, kind of like uh, the first Fruits Basket show, a little bit mm-hmm. where all, all yeah. that show that show is a very much a lot of yelling, um, and that which was definitely a thing for which a while. was a which was a thing, but it, for me that's just not my thing anymore. And mm-hmm. I can get why if you grew up with it, you probably liked it because it was your first kind of weird thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I just outright hated <laughs> hated the, oh, the, the, the tv series i'm sorry ryan if you're listening uh i'm glad you enjoyed it and uh i'm happy for you but it's just it just uh, it's 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 up there with uh some of my most least favorite shows dang well there you have it folks <laughs> um I, well i guess my pivot you know you did something that was kind of slice of lifey and i think okay you did something that was slice of lifey with aliens basically so i'm gonna do the same thing but with a show that i think is really good that is mostly a comedy that i think you would enjoy bill and i know that you're kind of you know a little bit so-so on anime comedies um i recently watched hina matsuri from 2018 um it is a show that is again mostly slice of life but it's like this alien girl who looks like a normal you know japanese middle schooler Mm. crash lands in the apartment of a 30 something yakuza member in (laughs) japan and basically a ruins his life and b like makes his life way better um it's a very silly premise of course 
and like basically it just kind of goes from there of this yakuza dude basically becoming like a father figure for this orphaned alien girl who like can't leave the planet for some reason Hmm. and um as the show goes on of course more and more characters are introduced like you see how hina the main character like interacts with the world like she starts going to school and she starts like making friends and like learning what it's like to live on planet earth and not be a weird alien with superpowers even though she uses her powers quite a lot mostly to very funny extents um and to see like the yakuza guys reaction to that and also him evolving over the course of the show to be you know more caring of of hina rather than thinking that she's just like a parasite or a burden because she's like constantly asking him to like buy her very expensive sushi and things like that um it's very sitcom-y but it's very dry humor like hina hina herself is like very downplayed she's always very monotone but really really funny and like watching mm. the yakuza guy like overreact to everything is is really great um and there's a great extended cast of characters like there's another girl or two other girls actually that come from hina's home planet and crash land on planet earth but they crash land in very different contexts like the one of the other girls basically crashes and she becomes homeless for a while and she basically has to live for an ex- for a period of time with some uh, people in a homeless camp and I thought that was really interesting because it was a very non-stereotypical non-judgmental very human portrayal of like unhoused people living in Japan and just like mm. what their day-to-day life is like and she experiences that and sort of gets to understand what their hardships are like and I thought that was really interesting um because I know just kind of like everywhere homelessness can be very stigmatized and we can have all of these assumptions about, you know, unhoused people. But this was, you know, really without sugarcoating anything, it was a nice look into what their life can be like in a homeless camp. Mm. Um, Additionally, there's like this incredibly hilarious side story where due to some wacky hijinks that I can't even remember one of Hina's classmates who mind you they're in like middle school so they're like 13 years old she ends up becoming a like accidentally having to work as a bartender because like she gets mistaken <laughs> as an employee or something and mm-hmm. she ends up becoming like a mixed drink like like wonderkind and like can make the greatest like cocktails and and um shots that that become like like renowned all across the city and like the bar gets really popular and she becomes this like amazing bartender but she like can't tell anyone that she's 13 (laughs) it's like it's really really funny um i'll have to try this show out because i'm a bit i i'm i call it 80s yuck yuck which is like when i say 80s yuck yuck it's very much comedy that was popular in the 70s and 80s of like misunderstanding comedy and sometimes that works really well and sometimes it doesn't so i'll give this show a shot but um sometimes that i'm not as engaged with that it sounds like an interesting premise um it is and again i think i think i I would recommend it to you because i'm I'm somebody that also doesn't really click with anime comedies all the time but because it's mm -hmm. more dry um and very earnest in like the interpersonal relationships of the characters 
I think it's it's really special and really worth checking out. I would love it if they made a second season because um just all the characters become like this big weird dysfunctional family. It kind of reminds me of Barakamon a little bit. I'm not sure if you watched that one, but again, it's another like fish out of water situation mm. where you know a guy from a very different lifestyle in another place comes to a rural Japanese town um and basically has like a fa- like develops a found family of like these a bunch of weirdos and like Hinamatsuri is very much that way um so i i like them a lot um i know explaining like why comedies are good is like difficult to do because you either find it funny or you don't but i was under the impression earlier that it was just going to be kind of like this wacky surrealist kind of romp but it's it's more about the characters and their interpersonal development over time in addition to being like a weird silly romp so i i think it has a lot to like well since you mentioned the description of dry i'm going to bring up uh godzilla singular point (laughs) we're on a roll with these very appropriate segues friend i think and i think for a good chunk of people we're not friends bill god's it oh man <laughs> on the podcast you're gonna reveal this <laughs> oh. you know just a podcast divides guys <laughs> but you should know that we'll, we'll, we'll talk about more in in our therapy session after the podcast is over uh <laughs> but no what was my point uh yeah, speaking of drag, I think Godzilla's singular point kind of uh, would be described as kind of polarizing, I think, to some people. Mm-hmm. Because did you like Ghost in the Shell standalone complex and a lot of talking? Did you like LGH and a lot of talking? Then I would recommend Godzilla's singular point because this show loves to get into the minutia of its techno babble and its lore. Um, which I really enjoyed and got into. For some people, that's a big turnoff. And I think if you were hoping to see big kaiju monster fights, you got some of that, but that wasn't really the main focus of the show. Mm. Um, uh, and also, I couldn't keep up with every, anything either, but I could follow the plot pretty well. Mm. And that's coming from someone that was able to follow L-O-G-H okay. <laughs> yeah, this was also on my watched but didn't finish list because, and I really did like what I saw. I just didn't finish it because I just, I'm bad about watching anime, but I did really like what I saw. I saw like maybe the first third of it and there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of techno babble 
and but I thought that like the action set piece sequences were were really good for what they were. Like I loved the stuff with Rodan in the beginning. Like I know some people thought that the CG on Rodan himself was like kind of weird, but I thought it I thought it worked. I thought all the CG for the show for what they had to do worked pretty well. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem too jarring for me. I I really loved how they did Jet Jaguar. Yeah. Uh, like I thought that was his... a really neat take. Yeah, he does um Jet Jaguar is a bit different in this series and uh, I thought the animation they they did with Jet Jaguar looked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um and they did tease we're going to get a season 2. Who knows whenever we're going to get it, but um it is continuing. Um it would so, be really funny if they called it like Godzilla double point. Then the third season will be triple point. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, I would say if you're a Godzilla fan and don't mind a lot of techno babble and a lot of lore, then you'll probably like Godzilla singular point. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, Sorry, I'll, I'll keep this one brief. Uh, I also watched Beastar Season 2, which okay. we did an episode on Beast, the first season of Beastars, like a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. So you can go back yeah. and check that out. Shortly after it came out, like maybe a few months after it came out. But um, I mean, I think we might be obligated to do an actual episode on Beastars Season 2. So maybe just keep your overview vague uh i'll say it felt like a different story okay it 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 felt like they shifted the focus and i think that kind of threw me off i enjoyed it but i was not expecting that i thought there was going to be a continuation of a certain character relationship which doesn't really happen hmm um, there's some other stuff that ha- that goes on with other characters that continue, but and they pick up certain other they pick up certain plot threads from the first season, but other ones kind of get dropped or not focused on. Maybe they will for the next season. There that um, what, what's, what studio is doing it? Um, it's Orange, right? Yeah, Studio, studio Orange. She did mm-hmm. Land of the Lustrous. Yep. Um, so we'll see what happens with their next season because they already announced it and I think they're going to do also another final season since the manga is now done. So I think they're going to animate all of the story. It's going to make me very sour if they make three additional seasons, or excuse me, like two additional seasons to be stars before we get a second season of Land of the Lustrous. Uh probably that manga money is helping them motivate to do another season <laughs> i guess so i mean i it looks like b stars is like really popular and i don't know if land of the lustrous is even close to being as popular as b stars but i don't know i feel like i mean land of the lustrous was that's getting a little bit long in the tooth at this point and that anime was at least very critically praised i don't know how much money it made but i mean it's it's not a full adaptation of the manga, so you would think that they would be planning to make another season at some point. Who knows? Who knows? Um, 
Well, I guess I'll talk about, uh, I'll talk quickly about two, well, th I guess three, four. Okay, so I saw four anime in the theater in, two, in 2021. Uh, I'll start with, I guess, the most furthest away one. The first one was Demon Slayer Mugen Train, which probably needs no introduction, and I'm not going to talk too much about it because we did a whole podcast on it. Um, but after that, I saw uh, Children of the Sea, and that is a Studio 4C production based on a manga. And I liked it, but it was very bizarre, and the story was very difficult to follow. And I think one of the one of the primary reasons is that it's adapting a somewhat long source material into a much more compact like hour and a half package or maybe two hours hold on a second <clears throat> and the movie itself was visually absolutely gorgeous like studio 4c does some incredible work and uh, apparently this particular production was um especially uh, grueling for the animators over at that studio which is not cool uh animators deserve to be you know respected and given enough time and money and time off to be able to make good work so it crunches bad kids um but the movie itself was just like an absolute like feast for the eyes it's probably one of the most surreal and visually interesting anime that i've seen in a long time but again, sort of the story was very difficult to follow. Um, but I still enjoyed it. Like, I, I liked the experience of seeing something that weird and that visually interesting in the theater. So I'm really glad I did. I was able to go see it in the theater because I feel like if I were watching it at home, the feeling would not be quite the same. But there's something this about sounds... seeing. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. If you, uh, I was just going to say, this sounds like a Tobias joint <laughs> like yeah we, would really dig, really dig this we went to go see it together and i definitely think he liked it a little bit more than i did but i think we both were in agreement that the story definitely took a um took a back seat compared to the visuals and they had like a little brief interview with some of the creators before the movie or maybe it was after i can't remember but they they basically admitted to it they were just like uh, just worry about what this movie makes you feel. And I'm just like, <laughs> so so you know that the story makes no sense? <laughs> I'm sure maybe the story is really good in the manga. Maybe I'll read it at some point. But, I mean, if you, if you like really weird, wild visual stuff, I mean, you got to watch it. Mm. Um, another one that I saw in theaters was a movie called Josie the Tiger and the Fish, which was released by Funimation. And that was that was an interesting one because it's basically like a love story between. Um, I might be a little bit fuzzy because movie is kind of it's difficult to remember. Some of the details don't really stand out in my mind, but um, it's basically a love story between a boy and a girl that he basically comes to like be an assistant for, like at her house because she is. Um, she is homebound and also she is she is wheelchair bound but she also is homebound like for some reason 
she lives with her her grandmother and she either can't or doesn't leave the house mostly because it seems like her grandmother won't let her mm. assume it I, I think the angle is that like her grandma is worried that because she's in a because she like lives life in a wheelchair that she can't function out in the world which is a very very dated way of thinking about people with physical disabilities um because everybody knows that you know people people with physical disabilities can live very you know fruitful lives even with their disabilities making things difficult for them but it just seemed like a very weird kind of outdated thought process to well, see they, in a movie could, that came out in 2021 well it could be that that's because there are overprotective parents yeah that are very protective and it's, it's probably the parent at the time is growing up with taking care of this child who's had this disability mm-hmm. and so they they've had to learn to adapt and adjust and that makes them overworried and over analyze everything mm-hmm. so it, i could kind of i can kind of see that perspective mm-hmm. It's really a movie that I would be very, very curious to hear your take on, Bill, because um, because of your um, mobility. But um, like it, everything about it just seemed like very old fashioned. And I looked into hmm. it, and apparently, it's based on a work that came out in the eighties. So maybe sort of that generally old fashioned approach to people with disabilities and like thinking that they can't do anything because they have a disability. Maybe it just comes from the fact that this is like based on an older work, but I would have really liked for them to sort of, and it's a sweet story. I will give it that. It's a sweet story, but like I would have liked for them to maybe update some of these thought processes a little bit better for a modern um, adaptation. Little sidebar. I'm surprised that Funimation puts put this out because this seems something that's more like 11 arts or G kids that yeah, they would do. I so, agree. Is, it, is this a standalone movie? Yeah, it's a standalone film. Um, I think it's been adapted into like a drama before. I mean, don't I'm not 100% sure about that, but I mean, I'm I'm just kind of torn on it because it was a good, sweet movie, but it was just kind of hard to swallow how dated some of the things felt in it. Mm, I definitely need to check this out. Yeah, for sure. I would I would love to hear your perspective on it. Is it streaming on Funimation's service? Probably, Probably not. not. Probably yeah. not. This was back okay. in like the middle of summer, maybe late summer that it came out in theaters. So maybe I did, at I some feel, point. I, I feel so bad because I didn't hear anything about it. No, it I was not very well publicized. I would have loved to go see it, but this is the first time I'm hearing about it. Well, I'll keep you updated if they put it up on, the, on Funimation Now or release a is Blu-ray it... or whatever. Okay, it still have not gotten a physical release either yet. No, I don't think so. Mm, that's a shame. The last thing I wanted to mention, all the all the anime and theaters, and this is something both of us can talk about, uh, we got to see Macross Plus. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, I, that was what I, that's what I was going to talk about. <laughs> oh, okay, got you. Well, I'm not going to say too much about it because I spoke about it on, I think, the Fate Zero episode. So, Bill, you tell us, what did, what did you think about seeing Macross Plus for the first time? It was interesting. I went in completely cold not knowing anything about it and it was interesting like knowing who made it because it's the cowboy bebop team of keiko um, wakamoto 
and um rest in peace uh, yeah r.i.p and um watanabe um i could see a lot of bebop in it uh to some degree with some of the music choices and some of the characterizations i was not well i don't know if uh, this could probably be its own podcast but just the 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 complex relationship between the three main leads uh that storyline i was not expecting and the the big the big um reveal with that i was like oh okay i that was that was a little out of the blue for me um and um let's see the visuals in it are really gorgeous especially when they do the big concert at the end um or it's really pretty and also the the fight scene with the two planes are really well done mm-hmm. um i enjoyed the movie um i really liked it i didn't love it but i really liked it that's kind of how i feel too i think it's very good um but it's not like a favorite i guess i think i really appreciate well, I appreciate it for for a number of reasons. Like, I think the idea of like this AI idol that goes crazy and like tries to kill people is both amazing and like weirdly prophetic for that time period. Mm. Um, because it's basically evil Hatsune Miku or like an evil YouTuber <laughs> that like goes rogue and wants to like murder everyone. Uh, which that's fun. Um, and the uh, the scenes with Sharon Apple, like the concert scenes, are just like Chef's Kiss. Like that's great stuff right there. Really great animation. Yes. All the stuff with Sharon Apple is really great. Mm-hmm. And also, there's it. It feels like there's a bit of Ghost in the Show in there too. Yeah. Especially when with Sharon Apple interacting with our main three leads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets really dark at points. Like um when um what's her name who's like Mune? Uh, the main Mune, when she goes into the control center and then the tentacles sent by sharon apple grabber mm-hmm. it's all dark and just like ooh, it's um really creepy mm-hmm. i would i would be interested to see they um because i know macross plus is not that popular in japan but it'd be it, it would have been interesting to see how they would have executed this in a longer TV format because Macross yeah. is primarily a, t- a TV series mm-hmm. and it would have been interesting to see how they would have handled with more time, the complex relationship between the three leads. Yeah. If they maybe, cause I know that, you know, Macross plus the movie is a truncated version of the four episode OVA, but it would have been interesting to see it expanded maybe as to like a full, like 12 or 13 episode TV show. I think that would have been neat. Um, but I think generally speaking, it there's not that much. It did what it needed would, to do. Yeah, I don't think there's that much I would actually add to it. But I just think it your mileage may vary on how much you care about the uh, the central cast and their relationship to one another. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I think Macross Plus still holds up. I still think it's pretty good. Um, I think it's a really um, interesting look at um, like a, a a show that's about events that we're not aware of, like characters recalling 
traumas from their past, like in the present. Mm. Kind of like what Cowboy Bebop does with the stuff with um, Vicious and Julia for Spike. And I really like stories like that where you jump into characters that that bad things have happened to them in the past. And like the story that you're seeing is like them having to confront that or unpack that in one way or another. And the successes and the failures that can come come along with that. So I think in that regard, it's like really good. But again, your mileage may vary on how much you connect with that. Yeah. And, and just a little bit of a sidebar. It's cool that this got a theatrical run and it was not run by the usual Funimation G Kids. It was run by Big West, which mm-hmm. was kind of funny because before the movie started, there was this whole promo of like the history of Macross. <laughs> I'd missed that. Our theater didn't oh, show that. I'm sorry you missed that because it was like, it was funny because it was straight from uh, the Japanese showing and they just put subtitles over it, mm-hmm. which was kind of funny. And we're seeing more Macross. All the Macross music, I think, is on Spotify now. Mm-hmm. So this is a big sign or hope that big west either independently or working with somebody will get macross proper maybe finally here uh mm-hmm. to the u.s which would be very nice i know it's not quite the same but funimation earlier this year did release a, the remastered blu-ray of robotech um on home video and i know that that's robotech and not macross proper which is what most people really want but i mean that that might be a might be a signal that stuff's coming. Um, I would absolutely love to see. Okay, well, one thing that I was very disappointed about, and I mentioned this in the whenever I talked back to the, eh, about it on the podcast earlier, is that I thought the visual quality was a little bit lacking. So I would really like to see like an actual good, high quality transfer home video release of Macross Plus because I've never seen it look good. Like the only time I've seen it is on the old manga entertainment dvd and at this yeah, theatrical it, screening and it looked like they ripped just the ma- the the manga entertainment dvd that's exactly what it looked like unfortunately and on a big screen you can really tell um yeah but i would l- i would love to see like an actual hd version of this at some point hopefully hopefully they didn't lose the masters oh yeah i mean one of our friends, Jamie, he he has the um, the Japanese Blu-ray of it, and he said it looks great. So the the HD materials definitely exist. That's good to hear. next um well i just talked about three things in a row because i guess technically macross plus was in my group of four so please bill you go ahead pick another show i'll do a bit of rapid fire okay cool um 
because some of these shows we've talked about on other podcast episodes, like for our spring episode, we talked about Odd Taxi and Megalobox Nomad. Both are really good. Uh, Nomad has a great continuation of the story that I did not expect, and someone dealing with uh, a traumatic event and dealing with uh, uh, addiction. It's mm. it's a great story. Autexy, I felt was a little sore at first, but I didn't really connect to it into the fourth episode. But once it got going, it it was a really fun interconnected mystery between these different people that I really enjoyed. Um, Laidback Camp Season 2. Uh, if you liked Laidback Camp and it may, gave you a warm hug, it's more of that. Uh, I liked that they showed that camping isn't exactly perfect all the time, which was a nice thing <laughs> to do. It's a crime uh, against myself that I have not watched any of season two of Laid Back Camp. Or Megalobox Snowman. Which, no, I've watched uh, I've watched about half of that. I really do like it. I think I like it more than the first season. Mm. Yeah, when we were doing our spring review, uh, Tobias and I were going back and forth between Odd Taxi and Megalobox's show of the year. <laughs> we, 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 and uh, while I I think Odd Taxi was great, and I don't know what they're going to do with that supposed movie, mm-hmm. I feel it's just going to be a recap movie with mm-hmm. some with some diff- with some new scenes. That's kind of what I feel they're going to do. It's going to be an alternate reality retelling of Odd Taxi, just called Normal Taxi. <laughs> no, even taxi. Ha! <laughs> Got me there. Um, let's see. My Hero season five. Um, I felt the first half I was not really engaged with because it's basically a fight with class B again, but with different powers, and I kind of was kind of bored by that format. Uh, the From second what I've half gathered you... just through cultural osmosis, it seems like my hero lately has been just doing a lot of retreads yeah a little bit it feels like i think daryl surratt has mentioned this with, with shona jump titles where and uh, a writer or the the creator will say okay i think i'm done and then the editors will are like but why not continue it's popular just keep going keep mm-hmm. going and it feels a little bit like my hero like food wars should have ended sooner rather than later i'm Mm. still enjoying it but i kind of feel that they could have he could have ended it soon i think he says he's nearing the end but uh yeah i thought season five was okay especially when we got to the villains who got more of a spotlight but i've been it was a mixed bag for me which was funny because the person i watched it with felt the reverse and felt season four was the was the mixed bag hmm. so that's funny uh let's see. yeah so i think those are most of my rapid fire uh oh other rapid fire one uh wait sorry nope I'll I'll go to you since I'm, I'm I named a lot so okay. it's it should be your turn. Well, I'm just gonna go ahead and rip off the bandaid. Both of us have seen this Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0, Thrice Upon a Time. Ooh. 
it finally that's a big that's a big band-aid it is a big band-aid and i'm not going to go too hard into it because we will eventually do a podcast on all of the rebuild movies we still owe people an episode on the end of evangelion so just bear with us we will get to it we promise but um to keep it simple we've been waiting for this for a long time and i did not know what to expect and i I don't think I was disappointed. I think I was honestly very satisfied with everything that we got in this final film. I think, to me, it's a satisfying conclusion of the story. It's It has a lot of quiet moments, which is something I think I didn't expect. I think those quiet moments were really my favorite things about it. It's the parts of the film that I think about the most just in my day-to-day life just thinking about the final film it's like it's those it's the quiet moments of like the first act where they are spoiler in the village yeah in the in the village that has like survived this you know cataclysmic apocalypse that has ravaged the whole planet and yet there are still people you know trying their best to you know, do the work to rebuild civilization, do the work to care for themselves and their family and the people that are left. And I think that, you know, that's just so uplifting, especially like when we live in a world that's just like currently being ravaged by a horrible sort of seemingly apocalyptic plague. Um, Just to see these, to see this represented in, in Ava where, in the third film, we're led to believe that it's like basically just Nerve and Vile that are all the people left on the planet. And then for them to basically say, nope, there's still some survivors out there and they're doing their best. In the fourth film, I just thought was was brilliant. And, and those scenes um, really stood out to me. Um, the action scenes are absolutely over the top nonsense and I couldn't be more happy with it. And I like the ending, so I'm pretty satisfied, top to bottom. I think if I rewatched it, I'd probably find some things that I didn't like, but on initial sort of gut reaction whenever I just watched it that one time and all these months later, I liked it. I think I liked it too. I think for me, I was surprised of how hopeful it was. Mm. It's the most hopeful Ava Ava thing I've ever seen, <laughs> and I think the reason why that is, and I and my biggest takeaway from the rebuild movies, is that Anno didn't have a plan. He didn't have a plan. He he kept changing things because he changed as he got older. Mm-hmm. Like as you do the Anno the Anno who did End of Ava is not the same Anno who did who did Thrice. No way. No way. And it feels to me that um, he kind of went with the whim of how he was feeling about the characters and how he was feeling at the time. Um, And I think that's fine. And I I think it's funny because in culture, we always want a grand plan. Like people complain about the franchises not having a grand plan. and And I feel like cough, cough, Marvel, cough, cough, Star Wars. I didn't want to say those names and get angry comments, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, 
plants change and people change and i think each film kind of reflects what he was feeling at the time Mm -hmm. and i think that's fine if you're looking for a cohesive plan don't do that um and you still got your usual ava things like there was a big lore dump where gendo did a big lore soliloquy that i didn't understand and likewise the the action scenes are really good and uh I know people hated the village, but it made sense because 3.0 is so intense, mm-hmm. so heavy. They After 3.0, if you watched it back to back, you would need a breather. So narratively, it made sense to have that breather because Shinji had been through all the trauma in 3.0 mm-hmm. and he needed a rest. So it made sense to me. And I liked it. It was very cute. Mm-hmm. Now... I would also say watch this movie in two sittings because it's very long. It is long. It is, it's one of the longest anime movies I've seen in recent memory. I'm really excited so, for the Evangelion Thrice Upon a Time Snyder Cut. I'm making groaning noises. <laughs> I, th- I thought you just hung up like when I said that. You went silent. And I'm just like, oh no, Bill hung up. Just, uh... <laughs> but I, but my big takeaway was just like, well, it's just it's it's not about the plan; it's about how it's executed. Mm-hmm. This would be my big takeaway, and I think for what it is, he did pretty well. And there's always going to be fan people that get upset, like people got upset about the village, and people got upset about the ending because of it's not the ship he, they wanted. It's not the ship they wanted. <laughs> You're never gonna win, and guess what? You have fanfic. <laughs> you have, you have your own world to make it the way you want it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say. watched a lot of anime i don't know if you know that but you did yes i did um <laughs> it's because i have a co-pilot that's insane and uh likes to do four episodes a day <laughs> at a, at a minute. He, he sent me a text yesterday or today that said i wish we could do 10 episodes in a day oh my gosh <laughs> i laughed because i can do four at at my minimum and maybe six to eight if i'm really engaged yeah man that um, just bur- just even the thought of that just burns me out i don't know how your co-pilot manages but you know different 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 uh what d- is it different strokes different strokes for different folks i almost said different boats for different folks and i'm just like i know that's not it <laughs> uh so rapid fire uh, i started the reincarnated as a slime series that's pretty popular it has three seasons i got through the first season and i really enjoyed it because it was very much a over-the-top power fantasy where you would think a slime doesn't have that much power but he's able to consume a dragon and consume 
a bunch of powers and he just becomes OP. Mm. And he's able to basically create these disparate creatures and say, hey, let's form our own country and be friends. Mm. <laughs> and it's very sweet. And also just uh, it's a it's a fun power fantasy. It is another kind of isekai type show. But I liked this one because it didn't have the usual isekai tropes of of an uh of uh rome well actually d- didn't well didn't have the harem stuff going on which mm-hmm. is not my thing mm-hmm. and it does have the thing of man from other universe comes to this universe and his knowledge makes him okay a little bit but it's not as common as in other shows which is it's not as prevalent because mm-hmm. of his slime power which is pretty fun i'm waiting so, yeah. for um i'm waiting for a reincarnated as a lime and it's like about a guy that gets turned into a lime and then made into like a like put into a like a like a margarita and then his ultimate villain for the season is a corona bottle yes exactly makes sense yep uh then I did uh, My Next Life as a Villainous, All Rats Lead to Doom. Not the other Villainous show. Sorry, Erica Friedman. I know I need to do. I need to watch the other one or try it out. It's a manga. That one's a manga. I thought it got an adaptation. If you're thinking of I'm in Love with the Villainous, that's that's just a manga. I mean, sorry, a light novel. <sighs> the light novels just have two similar titles. It's, it's, it's confusing. I'm sorry. Me... All is forgiven. Me need to be, me need to be better. So, but um, villainous was fun because it is a comedy harem for the most part. But it's the fun part is just the main character is completely oblivious and overthinks everything, and it's very much funny yuck yuck. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy it for that. Uh, Mary Hunt is the best. Go Mary Hunt team. <laughs> She's the best. Uh, then I did Don't Tease Me, Miss Nagataro. That's another very yuck yuck show. It's become a new sub genre. I've noticed in um, anime where it's uh, insecure boy gets teased by girl mm. and, and form romantic relationship potentially. Uh, like you see this in teasing Takagi-san and this show and there's like another one I'm forgetting, but it's kind of becoming its own weird sub genre. I guess you could count... Um... It's not quite the same thing, but um, Tonari no Seki-kun, my neighbor um, Seki-kun or something like that. Something like that, it's, yeah. It's the boy just driving the girl insane by like just doing weird stuff in his seat. <laughs> <laughs> but like she can never prove that he's doing anything weird. Mm. So it, it kind of sounds like it might be part of that genre. Hmm. Then uh, I did Magic Kaido, which is a spinoff for Conan. It was okay. It was very much Discount Lupin the Third. Sorry, my co-pilot. I know you're a Magic Kaido fan. I think he's overhyped. I thought it was fun, but it I wouldn't say it was my favorite thing in the world. Um, I did a bunch of Lupin movies, which... Your mile, your mileage may vary. I thought Columbus Files, aka Fuchika's Unlucky Days, was fun because they had the voice of Buggy the Clown uh, as the main bad guy, and I loved his voice actor. 
uh, in Japanese. Dragon of Doom, which is a Goemon-focused one, uh, had some good animation, but the story bored me to tears. Hmm. And I watched a lot of Conan movies, which... If you want to hear me talk about Conan movies, you can check out our episode on Strategy Above the Depths. Yeah, which we is did that Conan not movie number Which is Conan movie number nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the big thing I want us to talk about is a show we've been watching together called Glass Mask. is a show from the 80s that basically follows this girl who is a acting prodigy and i hesitate to want to say too much because i think there's enough here that we might be able to do an episode on it but like it's we've been watching it together that's the show we're getting through right now and we're about halfway done and it's very good in the sense that it's absolutely insane like and very over the top. Very over the top. Like, it's based on a shoujo manga, but the things that happen to our main character are just, like, so over the top, so ridiculous. She is so, like, constantly abused by, like, everyone and stabbed in the back at, like, every turn. But she ends up, like, persevering consistently and being, like, stalwart in her commitment to being like a really great actress um and you just never it's one of those shows that you just never know what's going to happen next because so much happens all the time and it's always very unexpected (laughs) but you can know for a fact that the main character is going to be miserable And the thing is, it makes sense because this is very much common in the shoujo genre from what I've heard from smarter people Mm -hmm. uh, of that era because this is from kind of the 70s, 80s shoujo. Like this would be in the same family as Dear Brother, which I also started this past year but didn't finish. And uh, Rose of Versailles, whereas a lot of young girls with high, very heightened emotions very. going through things that in the grand scheme of things are probably not that important but to them it's the most important thing in their entire lives mm-hmm. that they live and die on mm-hmm. and it is very much like if you watched a soap opera growing up like your general hospitals bold and the beautiful that type of stuff you would uh you could relate to someone because that heightened emotion is very common in soap operas. Yeah. It's like this hyper reality where like all the stakes are really high, even for things that reasonably seem not that important, but it's just so brilliantly tightened to like that extreme that like turned up to 11 sort of energy that it's like constantly entertaining and compelling. Mm. Just a, just a truly wild ride. Oh, yeah. Uh, And then I guess my final thing is this year I finally took the big dive into a major franchise that a lot of older anime fans know very well is Mobile Suit Gundam. 
you know it's funny you know we we're, we're kind of approaching this from different angles but i've also been really getting into gundam probably a little bit longer than you have like maybe a year prior but yeah i've definitely watched some gundam this year too yeah i watched the i've been watching the original mobusic gundam i'm about halfway through mm-hmm and I didn't finish. I, I kind of fell off of it, but I want to go back. Uh, but I really enjoy it because you could kind of see the germs of Ava mm-hmm. in original Gundam because it is a it is a younger person dealing with a heightened trauma and dealing having to deal with the weight of responsibility and him not having the big support group that that similar to Shinji mm-hmm. in Ava. And it was kind of funny because I could see the parallels with Shinji and Amaro Ray where they're very emotional and they're dealing with the after effects and dealing with the trauma uh, outright. Um, okay, hot take. Does that make Bright Noah Misato? Ooh... I think I'm on to something. He doesn't have a penguin, though. No, no penguin. Though they do have the robot friend. Haro, yeah. Haro. That does help sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, that does help. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed it for what it is. I'm enjoying the story. Uh, I also picked up the first two volumes of Gundam the origin and have basically found out that's just a retelling of the original anime but the art by Yasuhiko who was the character designer on original Gundam is really good um and it makes up for the retelling I'm just loving the art um it's very long but uh I We'll probably pick up those volumes very slowly because they are not cheap. <laughs> uh, but I am enjoying them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'd like to finish Original Gundam either through the manga or maybe start back up with the movie trilogy, which is the compilation movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've watched, I watched the original compilation films. I've seen um, Gundam War in the Pocket and right i really now, want to see that yeah it's it's very good um and i'm currently watching zeta gundam in fact i'm going to be watching some zeta gundam tonight because i'm challenging myself to watch one episode a day until i get through it so i'm going to try and stick to that um but yeah gundam gundam's really good i'm glad i'm finally getting into it and that you're you're not um and then you're um also getting into it just in a slightly different way so that's pretty sweet yeah, I'm, I would like to eventually get to Zeta and watch War in the Pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be uh, a fun a fun thing to do down the road. I don't know if I'll ever convince my co-pilot to get into Gundam because that's not his jam, mm-hmm. but that's but that is fine. You might be able to convince me. We'll see. I don't know. That's a long series. You're right. You're right. So, <laughs> well. <laughs> It'd take us a while. <laughs> it would. Um, so you did your rapid fire. I'm going to do mine real fast. Um, mm. I don't have as quite as much, but uh, I did watch the comedy anime from, I think, 2015 called Tanaka-kun is Always Listless. 
and it's a very soft another soft dry comedy about a kid who's just really really lazy and seems like we have a trend here (laughs) yeah i've been watching a lot of uh of dry comedies i watched a lot of them last year lots of comedy slice of life stuff in general but it was a very sweet show very silly um just the the ways that the main character tries to get out of doing anything ever is very entertaining and the way his friends just sort of have to structure their lives around his laziness is also pretty funny so a very sweet show i'd recommend it um a netflix exclusive film that came out that i thought was really beautiful and very cute was called words bubble up like soda pop and it's basically a love story between a teenage kid who works at a shopping mall at a store at, at a basically like a an elder daycare center um mm-hmm. he meets a girl who is a live streamer on basically twitch or tiktok or, <laughs> or whatever um mm-hmm. she's like an internet celebrity and they like become good friends and like have a crush on each other and they go through this mystery where they try to find this uh, missing um vinyl record that's really important to them very sweet movie um it's on netflix please check it out if you like really bubbly cute things it's excellent i watched i only watched one loop on the third thing i watched crisis in tokyo very good Woo! 90s um lupon special maybe probably one of the better ones that i've seen for sure um really entertaining i finally watched um i watched oh gosh why am i forgetting his name the guy at ghibli that's not miyazaki takahata yes i'm gonna start that over i finally watched isao takahata's uh pompoko like the movie with the tanuki with the giant balls uh very good uh very slow like most of his movies but still really good uh for my anime secret santa and you can i watched um for my anime secret santa i watched time of eve which you can read about my impressions of that over on our website if you want to see more about that but i thought it was okay I watched the samurai film Sword of the Stranger. I watched the first season of The Promised Neverland, which was really good. I'm not going to watch the second season because apparently it's kind of a mess. But I'll probably You're just read gonna the read, manga. read the manga? Yeah. And, and the want... nice thing I, I heard about Promised Neverland is uh, that the manga said, no, I'm done. And yeah. didn't try and go on forever. It is a very compelling mystery. Um, I like the world built that these kids sort of have to find their way out of it reminds me the machinations and the planning remind me a lot of death note even though it's very different than death note and also like hints of attack on titan as well so i think that's i think that's in a big way why it took off it's because it it has you know a similar vibe as some of those things that have been very popular and the characters are you know really compelling too just to watch them try and try and you know get past these just like completely insurmountable odds like things that you could think there's no way that they can that they can survive this and they figure it out you know Mm. Uh, and then finally the best for last tori and i just last week watched this all in one sitting it is the absolute masterpiece stop motion short series called pui pui mokar you've probably heard of it but if you haven't heard of it check out Molkar. It will change your life for the better. You will be a better person after having watched Molkar. 
it's all on netflix each episode's like five minutes and it's just these wacky little adventures of these like felt mole cars like the animal moles like they're but they're also cars and it's really silly Uh, it's just incredible we need more more mole car in our lives all of us it would make us all better people world peace can be found (laughs) if just everyone would watch mole car uh and before we get to questions this is kind of a final thought it's interesting just hearing our back and forth it seems like we each of us had kind of a trend where you were doing either more comedies or more kind of younger coming of age uh 20s stories or kind of dry comedies and me i was doing either kind of older shows like gundam or fist the north star or more stuff that was kind of series of the season Mm -hmm. from what i noticed from my list yeah, definitely. And I think just generally speaking, because of our watch habits, you you are you typically stay more in tuned with, you know, current releases than I do. I'll watch maybe a few things that came out in any given year, actually in that year. But most of the time, I'm just always in perpetual backlog mode. I would like to be able to get out of that at some point, but just watching weekly stuff is difficult for me. <laughs> I I get it and also just the sheer number of shows it's hard to keep track of like for this current season that we're on I'm only watching one show which is Takagi-san season 3 mm. um and that's all I really care about got you it's good to have slow seasons sometime mhm all right well that's basically all that we have but we did solicit our community to give us some of the things that they really like to watch in 2021 so our first one up is from at gcorijo on twitter um he says he gave a short list and said ava 3.0 plus 1.0 he said it's more of a spiritual end than a definitive end in his opinion still the film almost made me cry thrilled me and emotionally satisfied me it feels great to have grown up with shinji based on how he and the pilots look in the last scene he also Mm. said he watched farewell to space battleship yamato which is slowly becoming a fan slowly becoming a fan he eh, he is slowly becoming a fan of this franchise because of 2199 and this end of evangelion style final film that was supposed to be an end to the yamato franchise um i'll kind of quickly go through some of these oh what were you gonna say bill i just just to comment on yamato i want yamato feels very much like a franchise i would really dig Mm -hmm. i wish whoever owns Yamato would make it more widely available. I know Daryl Serratus said this too. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's frustrating that 2199 and the older Yamato stuff is not available anywhere. Well, the newer and, stuff is on Funimation. Like 2199 the reboot is available. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But I guess I would like I would like it to be more widely available on more services mm-hmm. and also the older stuff too. Like yeah. There's a bunch of Yamato movies that are not available here in the States. Very true. It's like a big um, big blind spot that we... That's um, mm. so weird because like Star Blazers was a massive part of like early anime on television in the West. But nowadays it's like that original Star Blazers or Space Battleship Yamato is like nowhere to be found. It's like you've got the reboot and that's great. But 
all well, that older stuff is weird. just not available. And it's weird because 2199 is called Star Blazers 2199 because of they think, oh, that's a name people know in the United States. <laughs> it is funny. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, no. And maybe they're afraid of just using the Yamato name because that was a Japanese battleship in World War II. Maybe. But I, I would think at this point, most people wouldn't care. Right, right. He also talks about watching Project Aiko for the first time, and he says the new Blu-ray looks awesome. I cannot wait to get mine in the mail, but it's just taking a bit, but that's okay. Uh, he watched Pat Labor 2, which he describes as a slow, taunt, but gripping political thriller from Oshi. I need to rewatch yep. Pat Labor 2 sometime. Pat Labor 2, I think, is enjoyable, but you have to kind of know going in that it's not mm-hmm. the OVA series or the first movie. Right, it's very different in tone from the from the TV and the OVA stuff. He mm-hmm. said he watched the uh, TV show of Dirty Pair, the 80s one. He said, I've only seen a couple of episodes, but I enjoyed the action and laughed out loud at the humor so much. I pledged for that Let's Dub Dirty Pair Kickstarter from 2021. So did I. So I'll be excited to see that in like five years whenever it finally comes out, as all <laughs> Kickstarters do. And finally, he said, your name took me long enough to see this. Everyone was right. This romance film was excellent. And I can kind of agree. It was, I enjoyed it mm-hmm. when I watched it. So our, our collaborator and friend, Will, basically asks a similar question that you kind of already addressed. He says, here's my question. Given you both will have already talked about the anime of the year, Odd Taxi, how do you see the announced movie going? Any hopes or predictions? Will it just be a retelling of the events from the show? Uh, like I said before, I think it's just going to be a retelling with maybe them answering that cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. The, the tease that they did at the end. I don't think so. Or they might, but I'm really hoping they don't because I liked that they left you with one last mystery. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen Odd Taxi, so I can't speak to it whatsoever uh you should add that to your one episode a day plan it's probably a good idea um our other contributor ryan asks why are you still watching anime in the year of our lord 2021 to which i say it's now 2022 but (laughs) you know that's a great question uh i have a crazy co-pilot yes (laughs) that's why and then let's see our good friend basil asks do you think tobias is sad you didn't ask him on to which i'll say tobias is always invited he can come on anytime this is part of his podcast after all um (laughs) very important question what dirt does bill have on austin to hog all of his attention (laughs) uh I have no dirt because this this man is very busy. I'm I'm amazed I was able to schedule him for the podcast. <laughs> yes, I I'm intentionally aloof. Um, he also gives his list. Wait, he also gives his list. Uh, sports anime bests. He says Megalobox No Man, Burning Ooh. Comedy, Backflip, Remake, Re- Remain, and Skate the Infinity. Returning bests being Dragon Quest Die, Beastars, and the Slime anime. Best of the bests are Odd Taxi, and of course, the best anime, Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. My brother's grips are firmly into that game slash anime. Uh, congratulations, he won. 
Um, probably will never get into it because it's too long, even for me. And then finally, our Patreon producer son, uh, Dylan, asks, or he says, Laid Back Camp Season 2 and Odd Taxi are probably the top of the list. The last Ava movie was good, but rewatching them all back to back was very heavy. And he rewatched a few older series and forgot how much he liked Morabito. I immediately responded to him with the Morbido because more Morbido love makes me so happy. <laughs> so it's so underrated. I think it can be very Ghibli-esque at times. It's got a beautiful soundtrack. It's one of the few things that uh, Kenji, Korniyama, Kenji uh, Kamiyama did after Ghost in the Shell that was good. He did this and then his career has just gone downhill ever since. <laughs> uh I'm sorry, Ghost in the Shell Netflix show. I'm so glad you got the original English dubcast, but man, it was bad in terms of its animation style. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Morabito's great. I'm going to make someone finish that show because I want to have somebody else to talk to about it. Well, hey, you know, I've got I've got your copy of it that you asked me to order during the Sentai sale. It's right here. So next time you watch it, it'll be in crisp, glorious HD. I was so glad to get that and get rid of that horrible stacking Anime Works release. Curse you, Anime Works DVD stacking. It was, it was pretty bad. Well, Bill, I think that brings us to the end of this episode, unless there's anything else you wanted to cover. Uh... No, I think I got most of everything I did. Oh, I, I guess the my final things was I did try Cyborg 009 2001. And I felt like I enjoyed it for what it was. But one, it was very long and it didn't really have a central plot. It was very much like a tokusatsu show, a very much like Case of the Week. Um, and while I enjoyed it, I don't... It didn't keep me engaged in the long run, mm. but I enjoyed it for what it was, and it looked pretty good for the time. Hmm. So yeah, I think that was that's. But you basically covered most of what I've watched. I've I've watched a lot of shows. <laughs> um, really quick, final final question. Off the top of your head, quickly, without thinking about it too hard. If you had to recommend just three things out of your list of things that you watched last year that people should absolutely check out, what would they be? Oh, oh, okay. Odd Taxi, uh, uh, Megalobox, and Glass Mask. Okay, and I'm gonna answer mine, and I'm trying. I'm gonna try and gear it towards things that people don't have to have seen other things to enjoy so i'm gonna say wave listen to me hina matsuri and molkar uh okay if i'm if i can't have anything you have to priorly watch i'll take megalobox out and uh i'll put in macross plus nice yeah i would agree you don't really have to see anything else to enjoy that one All right, Bill. Well, thank you for joining me in this uh, look back at our 2021. Hopefully in a year from now, we'll be doing the same thing for 2022. 
and yeah. yeah it was a lot of fun yeah same uh it just reminds me of all the crap i've watched yeah and now i've watched so many shows it was like a season's worth of mm-hmm. shows yeah um, it's always nice to reflect always nice to reflect and i would love to do this again let's do it all right where can people connect with you on the internet uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, WBForma999. I'm either talking about East Asian movies I've been watching, like um, recently I've been watching a lot of the Once Upon a Time in China films with that nice Criterion set. Very good. Or you can see my comic book manga thread that I'm going to keep throughout the year and just keep track of every comic and manga I've been reading. Excellent. And as far as myself, uh, you can find me over on Twitter at BebopShock. Over there, I'm mostly just making stupid jokes that come into the top of my head or retweeting people that are funnier than me or more talented than me or cool Bloodborne art and keeping a thread of all the video games that I'm watching this year. Uh, also, you should follow me on Letterboxd. I'm also BebopShock over there where I talk about movies that aren't anime. Uh, I like to watch a lot of movies. Been watching. A, I watched a lot of movies last year, and I want to keep up that momentum. Um, so yeah, follow me on Letterbox too. Um, again, oh, at Bebop Shock. Um, but also, I'm also sorry. I'm also on Letterbox too. Yeah, Letterbox is awesome. Um, yes. If you want to find the best updates on the podcast, you can follow us at ti underscore anime on Twitter. We also have a website, thirdimpactanime.com, where we post show notes of all of our episodes. And you can find us on our YouTube channel, uh, as well as on most other podcast services that you can think of. Um, If you'd like to support us financially, we would really appreciate it. That would help us keep the lights on and put a nice little smile on our face. You can check us out over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thirdimpactanime. And I think that's about it. So I guess we're just going to sign off and we will see you in the next episode. Always have a co-pilot. Yes. Good night, everybody. Good night.